This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, planes that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I am Shane. And I am John. And I'm Josh, and I'm very happy to announce that Die Hard is officially a fucking Christmas movie and also an anti-capitalist friend. <laughs> I heard that for how many years I've been talking about Die Hard being a Christmas movie, and everybody said, oh, no, that can't happen. Nope. Turns out it was on purpose. Yep. Well. And uh, I don't know if you guys watched that interview with John McTiernan that I sent you, but it's it's pretty awesome. We have not yet, but I caught that. I thought that was really funny for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, you know, I agree. I'm sorry. Die Hard might be a good Christmas movie. I love it. It's the best Christmas movie. I mean, maybe besides Elf. It's been, yeah, Elf's pretty damn good. Elf is good. Um, White Christmas is good, though, on my side. I don't know. I like that old-fashioned bullshit sometimes. But. Well, you know, Tori called me out today saying that I actually like Christmas. Uh, <gasps> oh, what the She's hell? She's like, you know what? You like fucking Christmas. And I'm like, I do not. But, like, I just got some <laughs> got some eggnog for the first time this year. Oh. Oh, shit. I fucking love eggnog. I love the Griswolds at Red Rock, that beer. That's good beer. And I don't like Christmas. I just love all the flavors and smells of Christmas. Is is Christmas your new tomatoes? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Maybe. Maybe. I I may decorate next year. Who knows? No, but I just like, I I think I just like nutmeg. So, you know, you, you got me there, Christmas, you dirty bastard. Damn it. You had me a dirty bastard. You You had me at Chris. (laughs) So, no, I like it because, you know, you have, you know, I'm a candle guy. You get all these Christmas flavors and the Christmas trees out there in the evergreen pines. And I don't know. There's so many weird things that only happen in this holiday time frame and it doesn't happen anywhere else. So, you know, enjoy them. You know where they're there for sure. Uh, This is America. It's a free country. Don't you fucking dare tell me what to do, Shane. What's your America? (laughs) Do whatever I will you want enjoy to. or not enjoy whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, hopefully everybody has a Christmas planned. Um, plan it safe, I guess, is the only thing we have to say for the most part. You know, we'll see yes. what happens as far as traveling, family, everything else. Just kind of, God damn it, have some common sense and, and figure out what you need to do. But, um, but with this show, we actually have somebody on who we've been waiting for a long time. And again, thank you, Michelle, for lining her up. Her name is Deborah Katz, and she actually is a psychic slash remote viewer, PhD. She's writ- she's an author. She's written books. I mean, just really amazing at the multitude of things that she's been involved in. On top of just being a twin sister, which when you listen to the interview, you'll get a you get a whiff of that too, which is amazing. So you know, we we can't wait to have her on. And um, I don't know, you guys have any feedback for that from the beginning? Oh, it was just a a really interesting conversation. I've I really enjoy it, and I want to have her back so we can talk more about the stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about in this actually right. pretty fucking long interview. Yeah, I feel like we could have gone another three hours. Like, yeah, 
it went by it went by too fast. So I was looking at the time like, man, I still have so much more I want to I want her right? to talk about. I just, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, but I um, still have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Um, but I'm just excited for everyone to hear it and I hope you all enjoy it. Yeah, so without further ado, enjoy the interview with Deborah Lynn Katz. Open the gates. So Deborah Lynn Katz is an internationally renowned speaker and founder and director of the International School of Clairvoyance, ISC. One of the first online schools in the world to offer interactive small group clairvoyant training in teleseminar and webinar formats. Deborah is an author of You Are Psychic, Extraordinary Psychic, and Freeing the Genie Within, and we are ecstatic to have her on our show. Deborah, thank you very much for coming on Strange Uncles. Welcome. Oh, thank you for the invite. Very happy to be here with all of you. Yeah, and and I guess we'll just usually what we do is we kind of roundhouse it with the questions. You know, number one, your history is uh, is pretty amazing. I mean, everything that you've really in tune to and wanted to kind of approach, and then of course keeping your 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 college arts and everything else there is just absolutely amazing. And I guess. For our listeners, do we want to start with just what got you interested into it? What led you down that road at first? Sure. Well, I usually attribute it to having a twin sister. So I have an identical twin sister. And just from the time we can remember, we just had what we didn't know to call it at the time, but we just could seem to always hear each other's thoughts and say what the other one was going to say to the point where it just became so ridiculous that I could barely speak without her saying the same thing or vice versa. And when we were apart, we would know what the other was doing and what was going on. And we would even communicate with each other in dreams. So we were always interested in these topics and Fortunately, I always had someone to talk to about them, and my mother was at least open enough, so she encourages us to get books and to, you know, have discussions about it and stuff. So, yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing that we always ask, especially somebody that has an ability and they've they've took a lot of their their time their life doing it. You know, a lot of times, the, sometimes the parents or your outside influences kind of shift which way you're going. I, did your did your parent when they found out what was going on? How did that look for them? I mean, were accepting? It sounds like they were with you just recommending books and such. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember my mother telling me about. She saw a UFO on the side of the road, and she's definitely not someone who typically would talk about these things a lot. But I remember like when I was 10 years older, so she was driving down the road. We lived in Chicago, Illinois at the time, and she said that she saw something shaped like a cigar, and it was just floating above the street, like 10 feet above the road or so. And so she would just talk about things like that just every once in a while. And then we lived, we lived a couple hours away from the Theosophical Society. And my sister, when we were just about 10 or 11, somehow got a subscription to their library. And so they would send us these books that were by like Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and 
things that we could barely understand. But, you know, it would talk about meditating. And so we got into meditation at a young age. And we were always looking for a way to gain control over these these things, but or these experiences, but it seemed like none of the books could really tell us how to do that, except they would just say, if you meditated, you had more of a likelihood of having these experiences. But at the same time, these texts would discourage it too. They'd say that's not supposed to be the point of meditation and and you could kind of get into trouble with these things. So it really wasn't until much later when I discovered different training programs that actually taught you how to do these things that I ever even considered for a second that I'd be able to someday gain some level of control over them. Um, what were those programs that you eventually found? Well, the first one was the Berkeley Psychic Institute. I was actually working in Oakland, California as a federal probation officer and I was really super stressed out. And so I went to a meditation class. And this was when I was 27. So what, like um, about 25 years ago. And so I was in this meditation class and they offered some free readings just from other students who are very brand new students. And I was totally blown away by some of the psychics there who were able to not only just tell me like what I was dealing with, but they could kind of look into my visualizations of my meditations and tell me why I was having trouble visualizing certain things or how I can, how, why I could visualize some things over other things and drawing it to events in my past that no one even knew about. So, and then I would come to find out that these were new students and they had very little confidence in themselves. So it was just really interesting. And as soon as I discovered that people could learn how to do this stuff, I was just hooked from then on, like every single day, I was practicing and taking classes and just did that for a whole year. And I started to go through some really profound changes. And then I went with a couple of my teachers over to the Philippines, where we we started to uh, work with different faith healers over there. And I started having these dreams that were just telling me I was basically going to be leaving my job. And I really didn't believe that at first because I had a really cush federal job making more money than, you know, anyone should make at 30 years old. And uh, within a short period of time, though, I just found that something had shifted in me and I just could not um, any longer be in a position of controlling people or wanting to control people's lives. I just knew I had to take a different path. So I left, I left my job and I moved to the Philippines for a year where I could just intently study with the healers over there. And that wow. really started me on a whole other path. So wow. that was even before I got into remote viewing or anything, but well. Yeah, so it's kind of one thing after another. So I've I've been part of many different communities and learning environments and learning different forms of intuitive development. And it's really been just something that I, I just can't get enough of. 
I mean, I, I live and breathe and talk and write about this stuff every single second, even when I sleep and before sleep and when I wake up, I'm just totally obsessed. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. Well, and and just stand by because we're going to get in the remote viewing shortly. <laughs> That's one thing. I mean, we just, you know, we all fascinate, especially John and Josh. Um, I do have a question when it, it when you're talking about your studying, especially when you, you realize you have this talent, how to, I, I guess, own it for yourself, right? Control it a little bit and know what you're seeing, what you're doing. When you went abroad and you studied with other cultures, which other cultures really set you? I mean, you mentioned the Philippines, but- is there one culture from another that really intunes a little bit more with this whole ability and, and this whole phenomena? Well, that's a good question. Well, I would say what what helped me was in the Philippines and certainly not all the people. So it's just like here in the United States, you've got different groups that are into different things. But I, I met a friend over there who had her parents were from this small village, which was supposed to be the place where you've probably heard of the psychic surgeons who are supposed to be able to manifest uh, things out of a body so that when they're doing healing, you can actually see physical substances coming from the body. And so my friend, her family was from the village where the very first psychic surgeon was from and there were still these old mediums there and we would go there this was like out in way out in the tobacco fields in a place called Pangasinan um, maybe about 10 hours north of Manila and it was so cool because we would go to this little church just walk across the road to this church and there'd be dogs and pigs and chickens running around. And every Saturday, the village would get together and they would just practice things like mediumship and prophecy and preaching and and magnetic healing. And this was just something, it was like going to the movies on a Saturday night, but instead this is what they did. And it was just so normal. And that had a really big impact on me to see that this is just, you know, it's so much part of their lives. Yeah. That sounds like my kind of Saturday night. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. If I had to pick up something to do, I've been to the Philippines, but I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't do that. If I would have wandered into it, it would have made my day for sure. So that's, yeah. a, that's amazing. Well, you don't just find it. The The first time I went to the Philippines with my sister years before that, we, you know, went to the red light district and found something very different. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to explain. That's <laughs> that's where I figured you you uh, <laughs> spent some time. So yeah. he wasn't in being in the navy. Probably. I was in the navy. Yeah, probably sounds yeah. about right. I, I didn't want to give it away, <laughs> but familiar. <laughs> no, we used to. I, I think as far out of Manila I went was uh, Angeles City, which was you know a few few hours jeepney ride, you know that way, but. Uh-huh. You know, we try to enjoy the, you know, Philippines is, is beautiful. And actually, my wife actually trained there for like three months as she opened up a, a, a coffee, uh, not a coffee, an office there uh, and, and a company. And so she has nothing but to say, but just a very neat culture, um, just a very awesome culture. And yeah. then we'll go from there. So we, I'm sorry, um, pause. It's 1231. We're going to play flag on this real quick. We got a tech issue on our side. Are you guys seeing that on your side? No. Okay, so uh, what's the issue? remaining meeting time? Yeah. Um, er, 
I wonder so, if we're at the end of the free upgrades. We might be. So Deborah, sorry, we're actually on Zoom, but we do we have different platforms, and we moved to one platform that worked great for us. And now, for some reason, the upgrades, you know, is is looking different. Um, no problem. So I can either send a new invite out or John. It's up to you. I don't. What do we want to do? Uh, hang on. Let me just upgrade. I'll be done with it. I have a Zoom account too, but oh no worries, no no we we've been using this, but we recently kind of changed our ability a bit, and so we're gonna do some magic on our side. Okay, no, and it no should worries. not end what we're doing, and then we can go from there. I'm just gonna run and get some water. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Thank right. you so I'll much. Right back. Okay, let me. All right, let me do this magic here while she's doing that real quick. I might have to get off the mic. You guys might have to just banter back and forth a bit. <clears throat> That's fine. That's fine. When did you get glasses, John? I know. I, I got these uh, blue light glasses. So anytime uh, I'm on the computer, I've been staring at a computer and like it's been hurting my eyes. So it'll do that. I got these uh, blue light reflecting glasses. They actually work pretty well um i can stare at a screen for a lot longer (laughs) like i don't get like dry like just exhausted eyes so yeah i was staring at this and i'm like wait i need need to put my damn glasses on it's like my eyes is the only good thing on my body so i want (laughs) to want to preserve that yeah i've got a eye doctor appointment on monday okay i'm jumping off real quick grab a card guys when she comes back just kind of banter okay sure Okay, I'm here. All right, uh, Shane's doing something. Okay. Yeah, sorry, this has actually never <laughs> happened. This is a first. Yeah. Oh. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> I know how these things go. <laughs> yeah. We'll peek behind the curtain. We were using my work Zoom account that had like unlimited minutes and everything on it, but then we thought that might not be the best idea for you know my long term employment. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> So we switched to a regular person one um, and uh, hadn't well, really upgraded it to like, yeah. have all the bells and whistles yet. Lesson learned. I think we're upgrading it right now. I'm sorry, yeah. Deborah, that you had to be the one oh, no, to no. suffer through this with us. No worries. I constantly go through stuff like this and it, and it's been really confusing to, cause I, I'm, um, I'm on the board of the international remote viewing association and we're, we have a, a joint account and well, just an account for the organization. But when I try to sign on, it wants to like take over my personal account yeah. and join with their account. And then all my clients like show up in their account and we haven't been able to figure it out to, to, to work out individual or several people going in at once. So it's just, it's really confusing. Yeah, this technology is great, but sometimes it can be just so in the frustrated way. and confusing. <laughs> yeah. No, we got like I said, we uh, we use this uh, platform, and and again, appreciate the patience. Um, I use Teams meeting all the time in, in the office, but for us individually, it just doesn't. Uh, we actually work for a living, do this for a hobby. Hopefully, that changes one day, and you know, <laughs> yeah, goes vice versa. But we'll see what happens. So anyway, but we're good to go. So all right, sweet. All right, anyway. Where were we? Um, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so we were talking about the Philippines. We were talking about uh, some some of your uh, you know, your ventures and what you got into it. And I think, and we're going to take a commercial break here in like five or 10, but I, I did want to get into, uh, we wanted to basically ask, and again, we're getting a remote view and I, I think that's something we're kind of, kind of deep dive into. But when you talk about, I guess, fine tuning psychic abilities, you know, you went through it with your sister, which I find that amazing. I mean, personally, I hear that a lot with, um, twin mm-hmm. twins that just, they have this intuition. they, they, there's something there. There's a consciousness there that we haven't quite scientifically figured out. So that I'm glad you set that off the get go because that absolutely blows our mind completely. When you talk about somebody who wants to fine tune those innate abilities and work with the psychics and work with what that may be, what's your recommendations for someone who, you know, they say they have a deja vu moment or they have a dream state or something that really sets with them? I'm assuming that we can consider that psychic, but where do, where does one go from there when they start having those things happen? Well, I would say take that as a sign that a person is open to these things to begin with. And then I would say look for look for training somewhere where you know wherever you can find it. Um, I mean, I offer training. I know many people who do. There's lots of different approaches in. For for me, it's really every mode of training can be boiled down to a couple things, which is learning how to focus your attention. And like, what do you start on to start a flow of information? And then how do you keep getting more and more flows of information? And so it's really about steadying your mind, focusing and refocusing, and then maintaining your emotional state. But a lot of people don't realize that you really need to have something to focus on. Like I'll have people say, oh, I went and meditate. I read your books and then I meditated, and but nothing's coming to me. And I'm like, well, what were you like what information were you going after? What were you reading or what was your target? And they're like, no, I was just sitting there. Well, it's not like you're just going to sit there and have one experience after another, unless you have something you're intentionally going after. And then when you know how to focus on um, focus your mind somewhere to get started, that's when you get a flow of information. And most people just have never been taught that. It's it's really pretty simple. Although when I say that, it you know, it's something you have to get used to. And and so many people's minds are just so much over the place. So they haven't really learned how to even just, you know, steady the mind and get it cleared a little bit. But once they do that, they still need to know where to place their focus. And I think that's oh, sorry, go ahead, John. Do you think everybody, to some degree, regardless if they know it or not, has a bit of psychic power in in them? I don't know if psychic power is the correct wordage, but um, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't consider myself psychic at all, but there's been plenty of times where I'm just like, I knew that was going to happen or somebody will say something like just it could all be just coincidence but sometimes i'm like man i swear there's something knocking around that like yeah yeah uh, that's exactly and i would say you are being psychic at those moments i think everyone is very psychic 
and and all throughout the day. And yet we've just been taught almost brainwashed that we're these isolated systems that do not pass information along unless we're speaking or doing some kind of sign language. But I think that a good portion of the the ideas that come into our minds are coming from other sources, not just ourselves, usually from other people, maybe from other spirits, maybe just from the environment. And we don't know it. We, we don't know even the thing, why we're saying the things half the time we are, especially when we just start talking and didn't plan something. And I think you guys are in the perfect position to be kind of experimenting with that, or at least, you know, having, you're in a setting where you're just talking a lot and you don't always know what you're going to say next. And that's a great position for the information to be able to just flow through you. Hmm. So would you consider it kind of like a skill then? Like, I mean, everyone has a little like varying degrees of natural raw talent, but like anyone can pick it up and learn it and hone it and, and grow in it. Yes. That's a great way of saying it. So yeah, we all have, we all have it, the potential we all exhibit, you know, anyone could sit down and at least at a piano as long as they have working hands, they can make sound in the pian- from the piano. And then some are going to just, um, you know, have more talent than others. But it's not the talent, you know, it may be like a psychic openness, but it's also other things involved, like a person's personality and, and how well they can control their emotions and, uh, there, there's all these factors involved that go along with just how psychically open are they. Well, that so that's actually led me on that question too. So I find a lot of times people confuse, and and I guess if you can help explain it on on your experiences, you know the difference really between what could be psychic and what could be just a synchronicity. You know, because though sometimes those go parallel a lot for a lot of people as they go through life. Um, I, and I don't know, does that make sense on your side? Yes. And a lot of people, I think, are not discerning enough. They're, and, you know, researchers will like call it like confirmation bias, where you you just kind of think of something and then something's right there. But there, if you, if you, if you start to explore all of this, you start to see where so many patterns in life repeat. Like there's not that many, there's not that many differences of, how do you say this? Like there's only so many colors. There's only so many shapes. There's only so many combinations. So there's not as much variety in life as you actually think there is. And I, I started to realize this when I started remote viewing like physical locations or targets that like the same elements did tend to repeat. And because there's not as much variety as we think, it's easy if you like constantly I'll be I, I'm, when I'm writing, I like to have the TV on the news on, which isn't such a great idea, but you know, it's going all the time. So like I'll write a word and then they say the word on TV 
But, you know, there's only so many words. So not that I think that, you know, there can't be something meaningful there sometimes. I mean, it can get pretty weird with how uh, how specific the words are. So, you know, with that, I'll, I'll like notice, wow, I just wrote this word and the person said it at the same time. But, and and I don't think too much of it. Okay, so that's just like, that is not, a big deal or or something supernatural. But what I have been noticing, and maybe I wonder if you guys have had this experience where on the um the auto the autocorrect or auto type on my phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like if I'm really upset with someone, like I'll be typing something but I won't be saying what I'm really thinking. And suddenly, like, like these, like swear words will appear. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's exactly what I was thinking and very specific things, but I did in no way did I type it. And, and it didn't even sound like anything I was typing it, but I was definitely thinking of it. And right. I, I've had that happen a lot. So is uh, that- I definitely had something similar to that. Like, yeah, I have yeah. something that I, I'm going to type but it's not what's in my head, but I'm just more thinking of what's in my head. And I think I'm typing it, but yeah, it comes out with what I'm, what's the, the, really going on inside my brain yeah. rather than yeah. what the, I the meant subconscious. To yeah. I yeah. have the opposite of that. Like autocorrect continual continually sanitizes the things <laughs> I'm trying to type. <laughs> you can, it's, it's nine to one to the other. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wasn't in the Navy, but I cursed like I was. So, yeah, right. My phone does not approve, apparently. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> well, and, you know, and I, I think we're going to take a quick break, but I, the reason we asked that question was synchronicity because I, I mean, I, I personally, I feel myself, I get caught up in that a lot. And, you know, like a it, it, very good example just before this interview, you know, I, I'm doing some social feeds, doing some other things, and all of a sudden, all these threads on remote viewing popped up and, and it would just, you know, I catch myself down that road when, you know, what you're saying makes absolute sense. There's only so much there. There's only so many colors, there's so many numbers, so many words. So, you know, if you're really looking for something, yeah, you're probably going to find it if you're really wanting it to happen. But, you know, there's a fine line between that. And and I always, I, I guess I'm just very curious on the people who follow this side of that line and that leads them to what they call a destiny and people that are on this side of the line where, you know what, you really need to have some common sense and still use your brain and have it intact to weed through, you know, what might be just a just something that happened versus something that's meant to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I And I, I do believe that our consciousness can create our reality so it can coalesce maybe the, the information or – or whatever that's out there to, I, I do really believe that we can pull experiences to us as well. But like, as you say, like just being discerning. And I think sometimes the problem is that sometimes people jump to conclusions like, oh, there's a synchronicity. So this mean this means I must be destined for this. Right, right. You know, right. And those are the assumptions. Or yep. just like I've had so many clients where it's like, you know, I'm in love with this guy and then I heard this song and I just know we're meant to be together. So why won't we, why is he saying he doesn't want to be with me or why won't he call me back? But I keep hearing our song, you know, so or I keep seeing like, you know, heart shaped rocks when I go to the beach. 
Yeah, I mean, you can find patterns if you're looking for them. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think it was Young that said that um, once you notice synchronicities, you start looking for them. And once you start looking for them, you start seeing them everywhere. Yeah. And then it, you know, then it gets really hard to tell what a, to tell an actual synchronicity from just a coincidence that you want to add meaning to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe you are pulling those experiences, but that still doesn't mean that the person that you want to be with is going to be with you or. Right. You know. Yeah. Still frustrating. Yeah. I don't care what you say. It's it still just it pisses me <laughs> off every time when I run into the wall. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Deborah, we'll come back. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right. We were, we are back with uh, Deborah Katz. Um, and I think, you know, we're talking about just synchronicity and, you know, and everything else. And, and I, I think some of that too is, you know, again, people want so much for something to, to happen, you know, you get led down that road. We really try on the show and everything we do, because we're all three of us always reading something or we're catching news reports or something. Um, we always, even as much as we want to believe in whatever's out there, that's not, politics in our real world and COVID, whatever, um, you still have to be skeptical. And, and I think that's a lot of that. You really have to have your, your mind on your head to make sure, you know, you're looking at things the right way. So um, we just want you to know that. So you don't think that we're crackpots, but you know, we tend to be every now and again. So <laughs> anyway, um, so we want, I really want to, I really want to start diving down the remote viewing. I, I was going to say, yeah, we, we want to kind of get down that rabbit hole if you don't mind. Um, and, and it's up to you where you want to start, Deborah. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Well, no. what, for what, how did you first hear about remote viewing and what kind of led you down that path? Yeah. Well, I would say I first, I just remember reading Russell Targ's book, Mind Reach, and that was around the time that I was going through my clairvoyant program, But I, which was interesting because my, the clairvoyant school I went to in Berkeley, it was very spiritually based, and they were really against science and, and against uh, just like science, psychology, all of that, and then on the other hand, you had the remote viewing, which was really, I look at it as born out of a research lab. And, you know, they didn't even want to call themselves psychics. Right. So I, I didn't really get that into the, the remote viewing community until maybe about 10 years ago. But I did even as long as like 20 years ago, I would do experiments from, from reading Russell Targ's book. I would do experiments with my clairvoyant students. And so, and these worked really well when we were at a distance. So we would be on the phone together. At that time, I was just doing one-on-one training. And sometimes just for my own amusement, I would just hold an object and tell my student 
to describe it. And I would just notice how the first time I did it, actually, like nothing was happening. They were not tuned into it. And then I started to move. It was some kind of like stuffed animal. And I started to move it. And I and I wasn't even really aware I was moving it, but I was just swinging it around. And they started to say, oh, wait, I'm seeing something swing around, and like it's moving back and forth. And then they described the stuffed animal. Oh my so I was God. like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> they could see it when I'm moving it. And so I tried it with another student, like a different object. And sure enough, when I started to move it, that's when they started to see it. So I, yeah, it was really cool. And so I would have experiences like that where I just kind of playing around with it and, and seeing what would happen. And so I was really fascinated and I wanted to, I wanted to take a class or something, but all the classes seemed so expensive. And so it took me a long time to really get into one. And, but I, what happened actually was by, by this time I had written a a few books and in one book I had a chapter on remote viewing and I really shouldn't have even written that chapter because at the time I just did not know very much about it. But when I wrote it, I wrote it thinking somehow I think this was like a precognitive sense because I had a sense if I wrote it, it would draw some opportunities to me. And sure enough, this this actually was my, the very first day I was really um, – One day I just decided I had had enough. I was not going to live another day without learning how to remote view and somehow Mm. getting into it. And so I've, I've really been studying manifesting techniques for a long time. And so I decided that since I know if you want to manifest something in your life, you should do it. Like you should uh, do any little step you can to get there. So I went online and I found some practice targets on David Morehouse's site because he's he's the author of The Psychic Warrior. And it's a really fascinating book. And so he had some practice targets. And I said to myself, I'm going to sit here and do some practice targets, even though I don't really know what I'm doing too much, but I'll just use like my other clairvoyant techniques for this. And I'm going to sit here until I have some result or something happens. So I start to practice and I was having like some, like getting some good impressions of these targets. I started to get like these massive vibrations running through my body, which was weird. I've never had those since. But, and it wasn't just like energy flow. It was these, like I had to go lay down for a little while. These vibrations were so strong in my legs. And then I went back to practicing and then I got distracted and started to answer emails or I I thought, well, I need to check my email and I'm like, okay, I'm getting distracted from my remote viewing, but I'm going to check one email and I go to my email and it's from a guy who read my book, who read my book on the chapter of remote viewing. (laughs) His name was Lance Beam. He was a a biologist. And he said he and this other medical doctor were about to go to remote viewing training, and they wanted to have a psychic come with them to see if the psychic could describe viruses. And and did I want to come? And they would pay for my whole trip. 
And a week later, I was at that training with them. I'll be damned. Wow. Yeah. See, talk about synchronicities. That's (laughs) that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. And after that, they actually financed more of my training. So I trained with Lynn Buchanan, who's a former military remote viewer. Mm -hmm. And just after that, I just went... Uh, I've trained with so many different people and just like I continue, if I hear of like any new approach, any new technique, you know, I want to learn it just to add to that tool bag. What's your, what's your, um, what's your thoughts on Ingo Swan? You know, that was something that was mentioned in your bio. Yes. Well, my first reaction is I love Ingo. And I never met him in person. But when I was going to graduate school at the um, University of West Georgia, here's another synchronicity. So, okay, I I hadn't yet even known I was going to go back to graduate school. This was a few years ago. I heard that he died, and that he had, he had, excuse me, he had donated his archives to a university. And so I said to myself, well, someday I want to be able to go and study his archives. So I said that, but I didn't really know where they were or anything. And then I ended up finding out that University of West Georgia had a PhD program, that they had a parapsychologist there, and that if you applied and they accepted you, you got like a total free ride like everything mm. is paid for. You just had to teach a couple classes. Oh, wow. So wow. I applied and I was accepted and I got, uh, I was living in California, but I had to go to school out there. So I went out there and my first week of school, I find out that Ingo Swan's archives are actually located at that school. Oh, that's amazing. And, <laughs> yeah. And so I heard two people talking in the hallway that they had a, um, uh, they were looking for volunteers to help catalog his archives because a lot of the things were still in boxes. So I, I overheard this conversation. Like one teacher was telling this graduate student, yeah, you should apply because they're looking for volunteers. And I almost like knocked them over and I (laughs) ran across campus and ran to special collections. And I just said, hey, would you let me work here for free? I I really want to learn about Ingo. And so, yeah, I for almost three years, I spent every week in the archives every Friday was my day and they even gave me an office my last year I had my own office there and I would sometimes just go there at night and just like I would have all his letters and his um, all his writings his um, thousands of pages of his experiments and yeah it was it really got me through school because school was tough and I definitely didn't feel like I belonged in academia or with any of those people, but it was like the one time I could just feel like I belong somewhere. So I feel like he helped me get through school. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I, I want to back up just a little bit because I feel like most of our listeners know who Ingo Swan is, know what remote viewing is. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's something that just fascinates me, but for those that might not know, they might be a little lost, like, well, who the hell's yeah. Ingo Swan and what I'm is remote sure. viewing? Um, yeah. <laughs> would you kind of 
describe what remote viewing is and like who Ingo Swan is and why he, he is significant and um yes. yeah I'll try to do it briefly. Yeah, I'm sure so, you could this is a <laughs> loaded yeah. question that could go on forever for sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it can. So so basically Ingo was somebody who he had experiences when he was a child and some had to do with out of body experiences. But and a lot of people think that he like they just know him for being this really talented psychic and also he was found to have psychokinetic powers. Uh, So he was able to like impact quark detectors uh, or a a quark detector. And there's another word for it. I can't really pronounce um, I'll just call it a quark detector. But anyway, it was um, this equipment under the ground and he was able to affect it with his mind in front of like a dozen scientists. So he, he could also, um, he did some experiments with thermometers where he was able to move the um, meter on the thermometer. So he was known first and foremost as a talented psychic. He also he um, did a, an experiment where before the telescope what knew that there were rings around Jupiter, he had described there were rings around Jupiter because he right. wanted to show that it, to use your psychic abilities, like distance doesn't matter. So when he first started out, I'm kind of going all over the place, but he oh, he had had spontaneous experiences. It wasn't until he was also like around 30 years old or so that that his friends told him they thought that he might be particularly talented, but he didn't, he didn't do readings for people. He didn't, he didn't really know, but he was within this environment in New York in the early seventies where um, he knew some different parapsychologists. So he started to work with them like Cleve Baxter, who was known for um, doing experiments like thought experiments with plants, you know, where you walk into a room the plants are there and you show them a butcher knife and the plants register like that. They, they register on equipment that right. they've sensed that you're standing there with a knife, you know, about to slaughter them. Mm-hmm. And so Ingo started to do thought experiments with him. And then he got invited to work at different parapsychology labs. And so he started at the American Society for Psychical Research where they would put items on a shelf and he would lay, lay on a bed and the items would be like 10 feet above him. And he would, he would describe them like sometimes perfectly. And I'll just give you one example, which is it's in his book, natural ESP. He has a picture of this, but so there was a seven up can up on the shelf. And of course he doesn't know what's on the shelf. That's the whole point. Can he supposedly leave his body and describe this? And he would, he learned that if you sketched, you would sometimes, even if your mind didn't consciously know what you were describing, when you sketched, your sketch would look, end up looking a lot like the item, which is really what most remote viewers find. And so he did this sketch. And at first, like people looked at it and they were like, well, this doesn't match what's on the shelf. And he thought he didn't do a good job. And then someone was like, oh my gosh, look at this. And they turned the paper upside down and he had written seven up, (laughs) but upside down. And then he had all the colors of the can. And there's, there's a picture of that in his book. So he would do things like that 
all the time uh, mm-hmm. in these experiments. And so then he, um, but he also like, it, it, they weren't, they didn't know how to train him because the researchers didn't really know what they were doing either, but they just kept working together and trying out different things and, and having him do different processes in his mind and trying out like they would shine lights on the items to see if you put more light on them. Could he see them better? And so then he moved from describing things in the, on the shelf to outside of the lab and then at a distance and then things just progressed. So he ended up really um, in a nutshell, he went from there to when they started the um, research lab that was, again, it was really considered the research arm of the government and military programs. He was one of the first psychics that was recruited. And then he helped develop remote viewing. And eventually he got a contract as the trainer to train the military personnel who would go on for the next like 25 years to um, use psychic abilities to basically do everything from spying on different nations to being able to like describing the weapons and submarines of different countries, finding hostages, finding down airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the In all, there was like 40 different law enforcement agencies like drug enforcement, the FBI, the CIA, the DIA, they funded these programs, they they used the remote viewers for them. And then that went on until about the mid about 1995 or so, then the programs finally got defunded, you know, different people, there were always people that were against these programs, got defunded. And then remote viewing really moved into the private sector. And here we are today. Well, that okay. So that's kind of a of a question that I'd like to ask personally, and and again, if you don't want to answer it, if, it's more speculation on your part than is anything. We actually did uh, a part one, part two episode on remote viewing and the projects that were involved back then, and of course, you mentioned they got defended by the military. Now we're looking at twenty twenty. Where do we stand in your just wild speculation of where we are with remote viewing? projects or classes or something do you do you really yeah. think it's very prevalent now that we're we're doing that we don't know about it well funny you should ask that because i just <laughs> finished a study that's called the remote viewing applications survey and um it'll it's i'm hoping that the journal of parapsychology is going to publish it so it was a survey of what has been happening over the last 20 years in remote viewing. And so just did a um, put together everything that's been published, like in all magazines and, and journals and all sorts of informal and formal publications. And then also we did a survey of a hundred professional remote viewers. They couldn't be like other kinds of psychics or mediums. They had to be working remote viewers Mm -hmm. and asking them all about their different projects and their practices and how they approach them. And yes, I would say remote viewing is live and well people are using it for crime solving and for finding missing pets and people and items and working with different law enforcement agencies and doing business consulting and and doing creative projects like i mean not a lot of people are doing these but 
you know, using it to compose music or helping businesses to project into the future and see what types of products they're going to be developing. But the biggest area, the most um, prominent area is um, an area I'm just finishing up a book in, and that's using psychic abilities for the lotto, for financial predictions, for stock market predictions, for horse races, for um, predicting the outcome of football and baseball games and you name it. There, there's more and more people using their abilities to win the lotto. And and um, we're accumulating quite a few um, cases where people have been winning the lotto. One woman we know, she won $100,000 about a year ago. Um, my co-author has been winning the pick three lotto for <laughs> the um, last year or so. Really, And I, it, it almost seems like the hundred monkey effect, because some of these things, people, you know, we've all been, many of us have been active in these areas for a while, but we're just starting to see, especially like with the lotto, people are starting to win where we didn't hear about this, you know, until recently. So it's, it's pretty it's amazing. Cool. It's just amazing. You know, that's what I want to get into. I mean, yeah, I want right. to win the lotto. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to get some money on the ponies. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll fine tune my ability. You know, what's a what, what's a line I have to get into to make sure that I make that work? No, yeah. that's you know, and I don't think people think about that either. That maybe at first it was, but now it's gone to that. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Deborah, you had something you were saying. Oh no, no, it's um. I, well, I thought well, before the show, I was thinking like, oh, what would they be interested in talking about? And I thought, oh, that. They would probably like this area, um, probably the best. So, <laughs> yeah, no, we, you know, and again, we just about anything. You know, all joking aside, you know, it's always nice to have money, but at the same time, I, I think this, uh, the field and remote viewing that you talk about, um, you know, I find that fascinating. That that's still, and yes, there's still remote viewers out there, but how are they treated? What kind of money goes into the programs? What kind of time goes in the programs? That's all something that you know when you pull military away from it. That's it's its own thing over here, you know. So is it really being paid attention to? So yeah. here's well, a oh, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say you know um, things are not um, not really well funded. So you don't you have mostly like private people. I mean, like I'm on the board of the International Remote Viewing Association and um, it's, it's a great organization, but there's like very little money coming in. And um, yeah, the interesting thing though is lately there have been some politically um, funded people that are coming. The Republicans are uh, blasphemy seeking, are seeking out remote viewers to do some of their dirty work. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know how much I could say, except that I will say I've turned down some um, offers that would have paid really well, but that would have been compromising to my morals. And then yeah. there's some things I'm not really supposed to know about, but was told about. So I, I'd say, you know, probably when it comes to any kind of psychic work, you have to really be on top of 
you know, what are your morals and values and what are you willing to, you know, do and not do. And, and you can't ever, you can't ever put money over anything else because it'll just, things will just fall apart really quick. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and good on for you. And, and just, you know, this podcast, we don't really have to, our listeners already know, but, uh, good on you for turning that down. Um, when something doesn't have ethics and integrity behind it, I really don't think you need to give it, you know, a time of day. And so, you know, kudos on you for, for doing that. Well, that kind of, that kind of brings, I was wondering, um, what are some standout sessions that you've had and some of the results that you've had with those sessions, like what are, what, what's like one or two that has really stood out to you in your remote viewing career? Yeah. Well, one that um, maybe a year ago happened, I, I found for myself where it's most u- useful is finding things. And I'm fortunate because I have a husband who loses a lot of things. So I have, continued practice yeah and um he we we were living out in the california desert and on two and a half acres of basically just desert land sand and we he had a semi truck parked on the property and we were going away for a month to travel along the east coast and we went away and got back and he said he couldn't find his truck keys that he had hid them somewhere and he couldn't remember where they were and so I said okay well I'll help you look and so I sat down and closed my eyes and of course he's like I thought you said you were going to help me look (laughs) thinking I'm going to walk around I'm like you know this is how I look for things so I immediately saw an image of this little uh this little animal statue and so I just jumped up right away which I really shouldn't do I always know I should get a few impressions because a lot of times one isn't enough so I went by the statue and I looked around and it didn't seem like you know there was anything no no keys by there so I closed my eyes again and and this time I saw an image of a birdhouse so I went back outside and I was like, where's the birdhouse? I couldn't find it. And then I realized the birdhouse was right where that animal statue was. But I I was still like, okay, well, I don't know what this means. So I went back inside and sat down again. And this time I saw an image of a cover, like a, a, a sprinkler cover, one of those green rectangular sprinkler covers. And I, it dawned on me that the little animal was sitting on top of the sprinkler cover. <laughs> so I go over to it and I lift it up and it just seems so unlikely that it would be in there. And I look down and, uh, and I didn't see anything. I almost covered it up. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to reach around down here. You know, it made me have to like reach around in the mud, like about a foot down and sure enough, I pulled out the keys. Wow. Really? So that wow. was cool to actually find keys underground, you know, wow. where, where it could have been the whole property. But the the reason I was able to do that was because there were such distinctive landmarks there, you know, so that was almost 
like it was almost too easy because the and I and I recognize them because I live there. Mm-hmm. So this kind of speaks to the challenge of remote viewing sometimes because right. you know what if someone had stolen the keys and I saw those same exact images what those wouldn't have been enough to get me to someone else's house you know unless it was yeah. the neighbors and yeah. that you know I could see into their yard yeah. uh, but even then you know how would I have gotten them so this, this is where depending on something where something's located that just those simple impressions are enough but if it's like somewhere you, you know, across the country or in another country or with the stranger, that there could be so much describing that you have to do before you would even have a chance of, right. you know, looking for it. So that's yeah. where it can be. It's in remote viewing lingo. It's called the search problem, which is it, it mm. just sometimes it's really hard because of outside circumstances. And what we were talking about before with items repeating, like what my, I have a Siberian Husky, a a beautiful dog, and she disappeared for three months. And we were pretty sure that someone had taken her. And every time I would tune in, I would see her with horses and I would see like a, a iron fence and cactuses and just some, some, a few other items. I saw a woman with like an older son who seemed like he had some mental issues. And so I got all this stuff, but then I would drive around and I would see like on every block, there were horses and there were, you know, a lot of the, the fences were chain link, but every once in a while you'd see the iron fence. So, and, and then how are you going to, you know, even, it's not like I could just go on someone's property. They'd probably shoot me. So I had a lot of other remote viewers and clairvoyants and mediums all looking and they all saw a similar thing, but you know, we could not find her. But three months later we got a phone call and it was the woman who had her. And she said that she, she, my Husky was just, um, she doesn't eat that well. So she's thin for a Husky. And the woman said that she tried to delude herself into thinking that we were not feeding her well, but she, um, and she would have her run with her horses. Um, but then things got too difficult and her older son wasn't taking care of her. So they just wanted to give her back. So in the end, like oh. so much was confirmed, but it still hadn't been that circumstances hadn't been uh, right set enough to be able to find her. Yeah. yeah. How do you pinpoint yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm sure that's, that's probably, well, that's obviously a problem. Most remote viewers have. I mean, what do you do when you don't have, it's not exact science. And when you're getting fed images and yeah, that's just that, Oh, that blows. Also, mind, I would have kicked know? somebody's ass if they stole my dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> you're, you're a lot more patient person than I am. I'd be like, yeah. excuse me <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're going to take a quick break, Deborah, if you don't mind. And then I've got one question and then we want to, I'm hoping we want to dive a little bit into some 2021 talk, if you don't mind, if you're okay with that. Sure. Fantastic. All right. Stand by everybody. We'll be back. Follow strange uncles down the rabbit hole of the wild and bizarre as they uncover history that shouldn't be talked about topics that don't fit into the norm and conspiracies that sometimes run amok. Find our website at mystrangeuncles.com 
Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Strange Uncles, or check out our YouTube channel, Strange Uncles Podcast, where we are adding new content every week. Open the gates. All right, and we're back with Deborah Katz. Um, I did have one question on my side, and then I, I think number one, the whole remote viewing thing is—I mean, it blows my mind. I know, you know, again, it's just amazing how it how it works. It's just something that I, I don't know. You know, I didn't hear about it till three or four years ago, but um, now we look at it and I think you have a project. You mentioned you had a project going on, but I believe there's an up and coming book. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So that will be called associative remote viewing, the art and the art and science of precognition for sporting events the lotto elections and financial predictions something along those lines wow. that sounds a little too long so i think <laughs> no. we might have to revise that but that'll be out in the spring hopefully oh okay okay perfect um one thing i want to ask you because this is just me my my big you know forte is basically just spirits the other world because it just always fascinates me i've seen it my whole life when you talk about your work and psychic ability and everything else, do you think there's any correlation? Do you think there's, as strange as it sounds, there's help from the other side or there's something that may be affecting our subconsciousness or our picks or our selections or whatever that looks like? Are you are you a, a proponent of that or is that just something that's completely separate from what we're talking about when we talk about psychic and remote viewing and these other things? Oh, yes. I am quite sure that there is, just like there's people here, there's people somewhere else on the other side, uh, people in all sorts of different creatures and uh, entities, and some of them are really helping us a lot, and others are interfering with us. And I really think that it's very similar to you know, they, what's the saying, as above, so below, or so below yep. as above. Yep. So, yeah, there's a whole cast of characters that are having influences on us at any given time with all these topics. So even if you say, well, I want to remote view or I want to, especially with reading people, like if you say, I want to read people, but I don't want to deal with spirits, Well, that's fine for a while, but you start to find that you can't help but deal with them because they're there. You know, in the same way, like you'll come across the influence and energy of living people around a person that you're reading or tuning into and the same thing with the spirits around them. So it's not really up to, you know, I could say, I just want to close my eyes and not see this, but if they're there, you're, you're going to see it. And it's going to, um, it's going to have people are being influenced all the time. So you're not really doing your job as a clairvoyant or a remote viewer if you're ignoring what's there. And right. Yeah. 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 I, I probably didn't word it right on my, my side, but that's exactly what, you know, really the answer I was looking for. So that, that really defines that difference. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. Um, boys, unless John, Josh, you have anything? I kind of run a yeah, roll into twenty twenty one. I have. I, yeah, I, 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 I think we both do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just have a quick question. So, for anyone that is interested in remote viewing and kind of wants to 
take a stab at it ne- doesn't necessarily can't afford uh, an expensive course on it. Do you have any suggestions on what some people can do just from their home to kind of start practicing or getting into this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there are so many books on the subject and there's several books that will actually teach you how to remote view. And there's like a really simple book by a friend of mine, John Noble called natural remote viewing. Um, uh, There are, there are so many books. There's um, so many websites. I I have practiced targets on one of my sites at remoteviewing.net, remoteviewing.net. And you could just go, I would just say, you know, just get out a piece of paper, write down the target number, close your eyes. You can imagine you're looking at a screen like a TV screen and just ask for the images to show up on that screen and just get started and just, you know, spend like five minutes and then, and then you could see the feedback photo to see how correct you were. And if, if you don't feel like you did well, then just try some more. And so just through practicing and then, and then there's also social media groups where you you could almost if you're motivated enough you can get training for free and you could even a lot of the um the former military remote viewers they're very active like on hmm. some remote viewing um facebook groups oh, so wow. okay. uh if yeah there's one that's like 10,000 strong and um it's the biggest facebook group right now um run by a guy named Alexis Poquiz, but like Paul Smith, he is a former military remote viewer. He's on there. Lynn Buchanan's on there. Uh, there. There's all these different sites and people can ask them questions and you'll get like the whole gamut of brand new people and very experienced people. The experienced remote viewers like myself, they're obsessed with this stuff. So if they're not doing it, they're talking about it. Sometimes they're doing a little too much talking and not enough doing, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, there's, there's always um, a way to, to learn. And every, if you just Google, remote viewing. I mean, I've got resources on my website, um, but there are so many different ways to go about it. Wow. It's just practicing, you know, yeah. practice there. There's no way that someone could practice um, tuning into a thousand photos and not have success. You know, the, the, like I, everyone is going to have success. If you say I'm going to and it doesn't even have to be practice targets on, online. Like one of the things I call it psychic speed reading. And what I will do is take books. Like if you have kids this in school, you can take like a science book or a history book and you say, okay, I'm going to tune into what's on page, page 202. And then you just close your eyes, let impressions come and just start sketching. The whole thing is to sketch whatever comes to mind and just even let your hands do what they want to do. And then open up to page 202 and see what's there. And then you could go on to the next page and the next page. And if the pages don't have pictures, you can just ask yourself to get an image of the, the concept being discussed on the page. And if you practice enough, like there's no way you cannot start seeing results. 
That's um, great. But, sorry, Shane. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. Um, but I, I was honestly, I just wanted to know what uh, the most interesting thing you've learned in your uh, parapsychological research has been like to shift gears a, a tiny bit, but I've just been armchair uh, researching parapsychology and I, I'm very curious about that. Yeah, well, I was really excited to hear about a body of experiments called presentiment experiments. And these have, a lot of people have done them, but I'd, I would say Dean Radin is really well known for these. And it's where people are, there's a sender and a receiver and they're put into two separate rooms. And then the sender is shown, they're given a different stimulus. Sometimes the stimulus is to watch something on a video screen that's like scary or arousing or um, upsetting in some way. And then they want to see is the person who's emotionally connected with them in the other room, is that person affected by them? And the and what they'll do is they'll hook them up to electrodes and test like their skin and their heart rate and sometimes their brainwave patterns. And they'll see that the, the receiver, um, their body responses change depending on what's happening. It correlates with exact, the exact timing of what's happening to the sender in the other room. But what's really interesting is it happens in advance. Like it will happen okay. a couple seconds in advance of when they're either watching the video or another common thing would be, uh, I was actually in one experiment like this with my twin sister that we were subjects in, but like they'll put one person's hand in ice water and then they want to see does the other twin in the other room, does that register on a body level, you know, that the one twin got their hand put in the ice water. So to me, I, I think it's really important because I started to notice a long time ago, as have many of my friends and and students, that we could feel other people's emotions and we could feel other people's pain. Um, so these experiments actually verify that. Wow. Well, and so that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's absolutely amazing. And without giving too much personal information, I, I'm curious, your twin. Um, is she into any of this? Is she completely adherent to it on this side? Like what's her story? Yes, she is very into these things as well. She hasn't gotten so much into the review, remote viewing and she keeps asking if she could take my class. So I might, I might let her take <laughs> my class soon, but she, uh, she's a professional psychic in addition to being a real estate agent and a teacher. Wow. And she also is really into Jungian dream analysis. So she's had a little bit, I think of myself as more of a purist when it comes to psychic work. Like if I'm doing some kind of psychic work, I don't want to be doing anything else. Like I, I just want, if the, I want to think of the information as coming only from a psychic place where she'll combine like counseling and analysis with the intuition. Wow. So we have different approaches 
but definitely similar interests. And she's really into synchronicities big time. She's been, she calls it like her own experimentation, but she does what I would, what I would call body, like somatic intelligence. So she'll just, if, if she wants to know, say where like a crime has been committed or something's happening, she'll just, like get in her car and start driving and see where her body ends up. Mm. And then she'll like, look for like, look to see what, where her attention's pulled and then she'll kind of move around. And it sounds like, I'm like, you know, that sounds like a complicated way to, you know, go about It sounds a little dangerous actually. (laughs) Yes. I, I would say that she, yeah, she's, um, she's a little unique. She's actually a, a, a photographer too. And she's been going around the country with all the protests over the last year. And so she was at the Portland protests and the Washington, uh, the Seattle protests and the Washington DC and in Wisconsin. And she got hit by rubber bullets and she had tear gas shot at her. And, and, but she was using like her intuition to bring her right to the ideal places to take pictures. So she's now had like over 300 news networks um, make uh, publish her photos because she was in the absolute right place in time. And she attributed that to her, the ways that she's using her psychic abilities. Synchronicity. It's amazing. Wow. No, yeah. yeah, that's something else. Um, we're going to wrap up a little bit. Again, you know, your time is amazing. We don't want to take too much of it, Deborah. But um, there's, we are so curious about 2021. Obviously, <laughs> 2020 has been a shit show. We all know this. So <laughs> we're curious about your ideas and maybe what you have seen, I, I guess, if that's the right way to say it, for 2021. Like, what do we – what, what are we expecting or what do you think you've envisioned for this coming year? I hate to ask that because it might not be great. So I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. And I'll say that this year is the first year where I really have been trying to look ahead at global events. So for whatever reason, I didn't used to do that so much, but I started to in February, like I started to track what was what COVID was about and what was going on with it. And I did have some things that I thought were really useful. Like even in early February, I I was getting that this could be airborne when, when they were saying it wasn't. And I, because uh, when they said it was really bad in Italy, I tried to tune in and see what was that about? And I saw it lingering in the air between people. I even saw people outside and it was in between the people outside, like if the wind wasn't blowing. And I was like, you know, this is way worse than we're thinking it is. So that gave me some confidence to keep looking at things. So for for 2021, I would say my preliminary uh, predictions are that there's going to be some intensive violence uh, that there's going to be something around the vaccine. It's not going to be as widely available as they've been saying it's going to be. Now, 
there, I saw that in some inner cities, there's going to be like an uprising and basically like people will be calling it like a revolution. Um, it looked to me like it was not Caucasian, but, um, and not necessarily African American, but um, people even from some South American countries, it seemed like, but there was going to be this outcry, this belief, and I don't know if this is the case, but there was going to, like, if they're correct in this assertion, they may very well be, but the assertion is going to be that they are being denied the vaccine because they're poor or because of, of ethnic um, discrimination, and, and there would be people very, very angry and um, there would be like an uprising having to do with that, at least in some of the cities. And I also had a sense that whatever we saw as far as protests, that they were like they were nothing, that they were rehearsals for what were going to be seen. Now, I don't know if the violence of what we're going to be seen would be considered protests or something else, but I see a lot of guns. I see guns like getting in shorter supply, but also um, a lot of guns um, being used. And there also was something creepy. I don't know what this was yet, but it was, I want to call it a pestilence. It, like it was something off in the distance. And at first I was like, well, is this more of the virus or is this like actual actual pests. And this is very vague. I just saw this two nights ago and it, it freaked me out. I couldn't sleep all night, but I haven't been able to tune into it more, but it was like something off in the distance. And this is so vague. I shouldn't even bring it up yet because I don't even know what it is, but, but there's something out there that um, doesn't look so good. Um, Anything else I could tell you? Um, I mean, I think things will, with the virus, the like maybe later spring or summer, things will ease up. Oh, the other thing was that we don't have the infrastructure to deliver the vaccine. The way that these um, vaccines are going to have to be delivered, like I got very strongly that we do not have the infrastructure to be delivering them or maybe to maintain be maintaining them. And then there was also something within the, within the vaccine itself. So there's a delivery um, and infrastructure issue on the outside, but then the way that the, um, and I do not have a background in chemistry, but the RNA, um, these vaccines have to do with like RNA and some delivery into the I don't even know enough about it, but whatever transports the vaccine through the body, um, there's it's not going to be able to make it in the body where it needs to all the places it needs to go. There's going to be like a flaw with one of the vaccines is not quite working right, um, at least initially that people yeah. haven't recognized so, so it's a transportation fluid. It's, I think, and again, we're none of us are chemists, but I think the RNAs traveled through like tiny little bubbles that's in whatever that, you know, that fluid is. And, and I've heard that too, that, you know, there's studies coming out that it's not quite getting to the tissues and to the muscles it needs to get to and, you know, other oh, things. So, see, I hadn't even heard that, but that was my psychic yeah. impression Amazing. that it just wouldn't, wouldn't arrive in the, 
right place. So I, I've got one more question than John, Josh, if you have anything, and then we want to promote you, of course. Deborah, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. When you talk about predictions, and, and you know, and again, everybody's wishing 2021 in the door, which, you know, it's not like you can't, it's not Etch-A-Sketch, right? We can't shake this, <laughs> and it's a brand new landscape. That's not how this works, and, and I hope most common sense people know that. But when you talk about what this, what you see and what you're viewing, do you believe that there's a, such a thing as um, intent and positive enforcement that if enough people have a certain dialed in intent and they focus enough, just like, you know, you talk about psychic ability, remote viewing, that that possibly could change the tides or is that just wishful thinking on our, on our part? Well, you know, it's, Sometimes I feel just kind of, oh, what's the word? Almost kind of schizophrenic in a way because because on the one hand, I very much believe in the power of positive thinking. My third book, Freeing the Genie Within, has everything to do with that and how as individuals, we can change um, many things in our lives or bring to us what we're seeking. And, and I feel like I've experimented with that for my much of my adult life. So I believe in that. But I also know that there are times where I've seen into my own future and I did everything I possibly could to change the outcome and there was no way to change it. In the end, it happened even though I did everything possible to avoid it. And um, I would like to be positive. I was very, I, I was really positive when, you know, Biden won. And I, I knew, I mean, I, nothing against, you know, I, I have a lot of Republican friends who I love, but I do identify as a Democrat. And so I was happy when Biden won and I was thinking, you know, all, everything's going to change. And then from my psychic perceptions, that's not what I saw. And so one of the things I did recent, I got like two days ago was that there was going to be this line where people were talking and saying, this is when life changed. And before I saw this, I thought, well, you know, we're going to go back to normal. You know, we'll just go back to normal, but maybe more people will appreciate like doing things online or through Zoom. Like, you know, I figured people are now going to advance in in that they're going to understand you could do cool things like we are here talking online. But I thought things would go back. But what I saw the other day was that there's going to be this line where we say this is when everything changed. And what I think about is that line, I don't think the line is COVID. I think there's something else about to happen. And when that happens, that's when life doesn't ever go back how it was. And there's something really sad about that. And, you know, I would like to, this is going to sound so depressing and so pessimistic, but I'll just say, you know, we as much as we could be positive, we all know we're going to die, right? Like at some point, we don't usually live past 100 or 120, maybe. But at at that point, we all die. So you can't say positive thinking can keep you away from death. It can't keep you away 
from old age, but it could keep you maybe healthy and joyful and having the best life you possibly could when you're, you know, in your old age. And maybe, you know, your, your transition into death could be, you know, wonderful, but there's certain things that you just cannot stop. And from what I saw, you know, I've learned to trust my, my visions or whatever you want to call them and more, and especially when they go against what I believe and what I want. And so I do think that we are entering into this time where we are not going to be able to go back and probably the way to survive it is to accept that and embrace whatever, you know, it's going to be a wild ride. And, you know, this is where we all get to show up with who we are and what we have to, you know, bring to life and bring all our skills and, and come together and, you know, face it with, without fear. Yeah, It's kind of like, I feel like we're jumping off a cliff and we're all, my picture is like, we're all holding hands together. We're jumping into the unknown, into this great abyss. But if we do it together, you know, that's gonna, I'd rather do it that way than, you know, thinking I'm kinda alone. Soften the blow a bit, I guess. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Well, damn, Deborah, that's a bummer. Um, Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no, all jokes aside, I mean, I, I mean, that's all we asked for you was your honesty, you know, and you gave it to us, and and so you know, we appreciate that for sure. And you know, honestly, that's I, you know, uh, I didn't have any hope for 2021. I didn't, no. you know, obviously, I don't have these abilities, but uh, just I think how pessimistic i've been this past year i'm like there's no way it's gonna just no new year's day next year just (laughs) a a different page on the calendar it doesn't really mean anything um but also change isn't necessarily a bad thing even if the process of it is scary and maybe even possibly violent like we're at a point in human civilization where we need some pretty drastic change if we want to not destroy the planet so yeah agreed Maybe maybe it's not all gloom and doom. Maybe maybe uh, what you're seeing as the line where it all changed is where we finally, you know, after a temper tantrum, get our shit together and stop killing the planet or something. Who knows? Yeah, enough's that's enough. The, that's the thing, you know. We've been we've been really lucky in America, and we've also been really wrapped up in so many illusions and you know, other, other people all over the world do struggle and they, they do have a lot of suffering. And we've just been in this bubble where we couldn't yep. even, you know, imagine that like any life could be anything other than, you know, as, as it is. And I mean, not that every, uh, not that every day, uh, uh, no matter what we're about to face, you know, I, I think it really does get down to, like there's the global, but then there's what are our everyday lives about? You know, that's where we have control. You know, who are we choosing to be with moment to moment? And what are we choosing to entertain ourselves with or engage with or participate in? And that's where we have, yeah. you know, control. So bringing it down to that, I think there is, you know, a lot of a lot of room there for, you know, it, it doesn't have to all be misery. Yeah. But looking on the microcosm versus the macrocosm 
maybe is is the way to you know save some face in this thing you know for sure so um deborah thank you so much i mean john josh you have any follow-ups at all no just thank you so much it was a pleasure talking with you and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come talk to three yahoos like ourselves (laughs) yeah it's been a, a really really interesting and edifying conversation i really appreciate it i i really appreciate talking to you guys and it'd be great to run into you at a ufo expo or something like that oh, i hope that'll happen yeah i uh don't wish that i still i still have contact in the desert tickets because it got canceled last year so yeah it's been pushed back like two years now I think. Oh, oh has it yeah. i was gonna say hopefully if it's going this spring or summer i'll i'll be at contact in the desert so yes whenever there, they I'll do you there yeah. start it back up that'd be awesome yeah. No, you're, you're amazing. And hope to have you back on the show. If you're, you know, apt to do, I, I mean, again, it, I, I feel like we just kind of touched tip of the iceberg on a lot of stuff. Um, again, you know, Deborah's books, by the way, folks, listeners, uh, you are psychic, extraordinary psychic and freeing the genie within. And then of course her new one that's coming out that she discussed in regards to remote viewing. Um, can't wait for the springtime. I, I think that's very interesting. I've got one of your books actually in the card already. Um, so hopefully, you know, I can get that shipped and, and read that. But, you know, your time. Um, do you have anything else on your side, Deborah, to promote or anything you want to put out? Yeah, just um, people could go to my website at DebraKatz, D-E-B-R-A-K-A-T-Z dot com. And I have new classes through the International School of Clairvoyance. I'll have classes starting in January and February. And then I have a trilogy where my three books are put into one and it's called The Complete Clairvoyant. And then also just a shout out for the International Remote Viewing Association. I'm going to be hosting a party on New Year's and it's going to be a prediction party. And then it'll just be people meeting in Zoom rooms, getting to hang out and socialize. So if you don't have anything to do on New Year's Eve, except at two o'clock California time, um, IRVA members are invited. So check out the IRVA website, become a member and then. I'd love to see you all there, whoever is interested. So that's amazing. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Yeah. No, too cool. Um, Again, thanks for your time so much. We're going to go ahead and let you go. And uh, yeah, let's hope for the new year. Thank you so much for all your information, everything. And, uh, you know, we'll have you back on and definitely, you know, want to pursue whatever you're looking for. I think, um, you know, despite what 2021 looks like and beyond, if nothing else, hoping hoping what we're into in this little weird group in the Fertian realm, uh, I, I hope it catches on a little bit more than it has been. I think maybe that's that might be the saving grace for, for the world, well, yes, let's say. I think so. Well, you guys are my new favorite uncles. So <laughs> oh, thanks. You. Thanks. You're my new favorite remote viewer. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have a good night, Deborah. Deborah, thank you. Bye. Man, awesome. Um, yeah, again, Deborah, thank you. She was amazing. She, yeah. I loved everything yep. she was about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, super cool. And I liked how she was grounded as well. Yes. Sometimes you talk to some of these people and it kind of seems like they're, you know, their heads in the clouds and like you're just like, eh, you know, like, because I, I mean, I, obviously I do believe in it, but 
you got to be skeptical sometimes, but she seemed to have both feet firmly on the ground and she knew what she was talking about. And yep. um, yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. I wish I had a bunch of money. I take some of those classes. Oh, I just man. don't know if I have the concentration. Well, I mean, I was taking notes. I don't know if you guys were. But, I were uh, yeah, I, I, I was taking was. some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My thing is, I, I don't know if I could because, you know, in the very beginning of the interview, and, and she's 100% right, you talk about taking your mind and kind of letting it go a little bit and focusing. And I, I'm a multitasker. I try to be, and I got so many fucking plates spinning. I don't know if I can shut this off to focus on this thing. Like, I just don't know if uh, I physically can I, do it. That's kind of not healthy, man. I know like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not healthy you, at all. So. You, you need to be able to stop for a second and like calm down and close your eyes. No, yeah. no, I've never been my, my forte. Well, after, so. after her predictions, which, you know, I, I, it's really not surprising, but I was like, all right. Well, after we record this podcast, I'm going to go find somebody with a Xanax so I can fucking <laughs> yeah, deal with life for a second. I think I'm going to Twitter like what an ostrich's head in the fucking sand and just go, hey, 2021. Here you go. We're here yeah. again. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, these problems took a while to get to where they're at. They're going to take a while to be resolved. Absolutely. You know? I, I do like you know. I did like your thing, though, uh, you know, maybe through all the like, I mean sometimes change is bloody and all that shit. So maybe through all the bullshit, there's a rainbow at the end. Little pot uh, hopefully. The end. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, all of the grievances that uh, have been aired through the protests over the summer, um, they're not new. No, they've been around for a no. long time. They're just finally getting some airtime without being completely dismissed as uh as people crying over nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to take some time and some work for that to continue and for that to be accepted by, uh, you know, America at large, especially the, the demographic that likes Fox news and <laughs> right. It's going to take a minute. Like these are long, long time problems that aren't going to be solved overnight yeah. and probably not solved without you know some upheaval and that's not necessarily a bad thing like it, it's not people don't want to hear that but it's not a bad thing because well and here it is we talked about it on the podcast where you know microcosm versus macrocosm say for example it's your family you know i'm closer to family members that i literally fucking almost punched in the face and threw out the door because you had to have that time you had to have that fight or that emotion or that thing or that squabble to make sure to bring you guys together again to go you know maybe we're not all as different as we fucking think we are just blow that up to america you know and i think you're gonna have eggs broken flat out it's gonna happen yeah well and i mean uh not to dwell too long on this but there was uh some uh anti-lockdown protests at the in salem at the oregon capitol uh, over the weekend. I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, when they started destroying public property and the cops rolled in and started treating them like they were rioting, like they've been treating the people in Portland all fucking summer, all of a sudden these back, the blue people were like, Oh, we get it now. The cops fucking suck and we need to fucking get rid of all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, to each your own, like I said, everybody has a voice of opinion. You know, I was out sun- Saturday. It's Saturday. And like last Saturday, literally. How long was election? November, whatever have you. We're here. We already know what the outcome is. And here's the Trump parade coming down State Street. They're still doing their thing. 
And, you know, it, it, it fours me, but at the same time, maybe in their little world, it, it, it's still, there's still a hope or there's still a thing and there's still something to say. I guess that's what worries me more than anything because you have that side. You have these, everybody's taken these sides and, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a good outcome at the end of the day, you know, for 2020, what rolls into. But, you know, she didn't necessarily <laughs> say that, but I think it's more than just the vaccine and more than just the disease, more than just COVID. I think there's more to add to this, really. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll just wait and see. Yeah, that's all we can do. But she was actually fantastic. Hopefully, have her back on again. Um, hopefully, I did. You know, like her twin sister amazes me because that was a, the start of it. I, I read a bunch of books on just siblings that are twins mm-hmm. and they have that interconnection. That yeah. fascinates me. My mom, you know? my mom's an identical twin, and she oh, wow. says that her and her sister have experienced stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, where she's been injured and her sister just like knew it, like rushed yeah. home or whatever. She's told me a few stories that like she just or I would just be sitting there. She's like, I need to call Karen because there's there's something going on. And then yeah. sure, shit, something was going on. Right. Um, that used to happen all the time when I was a kid. That's uh, crazy. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It just always amazed me for sure. But uh, mm. no, Deborah is awesome to have on. So um, hopefully we have her on again. The yeah. next one we have rolling down is Thomas Winterden for December 29th. And he's going to be here. We've had him on before, but uh, hey, we haven't had him on for the new Skinwalkers thing. So I know I can't wait. Yeah, oh, he's always man. fun to talk to. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's a great, great guy, and he really is. You know, he's honest mm-hmm. and out there, and I think that's cool. And then we have yeah. things lined up for January um, already. So I, I think we're. I don't know. We're rolling, boys. We'll see what's going on. No matter what the whole outside predictions are, you know, we'll just yeah, keep we, on keeping on. We took our season break at a weird time, so we're here for you to keep you entertained through the holidays. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's well, what I was going to say. pretty much everyone else is off. <laughs> yeah. And here we are because we hate Christmas and, you know, we have nothing better to do. So there's well, that. But anyway. I've seen enough Christmas movies. I know. I know. Your wife wants to watch one more. We'll see what happens. Make it I just die watched, hard. I just watched Elf uh, yesterday, and it's fucking hilarious. Elf is fucking amazing. Was that dude. for the first time? No, it's. I've seen it <laughs> a bunch, but it's like it's the best Christmas. Movie. Yeah, I always am like, an Fuck. angry little dwarf. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to watch this goddamn movie again. And then, like twenty minutes into it, I'm like, this is delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, you just got to wash away your pessimism just a little bit just to make these shows work right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, everybody, please, if you have a story or anything else, you can go ahead and write us at strandjungles at gmail.com. If you have a story or anything you want to call by phone, by all means, 801-252-69. Ho, ho, ho. 45. It is Christmas after all. Um, and then what do we got on socials? Uh, we have them. They're available. <laughs> For everybody, <laughs> uh, you can find us at Strange Uncles Podcast on uh, Face to Jams and Instabook, and uh, we're at Strange Uncles on uh, Twitter, Twitter. Um, you can also find uh, our guest Deborah Katz Twitter at Deborah Katz D E B R A K A T Z. Um, and we have a YouTube channel that is treated like a unwanted stepchild but you know there's stuff there if you want to go see our faces yeah whenever we get the you know the feather up our ass to put, throw some out there we usually do but not every now often. and then yeah. yeah and uh rate and review it helps the algorithm push us up to be more uh visible 
So if you like it, smash that rate and review button. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I will actually be in. You guys have a good Christmas before we interview Thomas Winterden on the 29th. I'll be in Idaho then. And then we're taking a Christmas break to Bryce Canyon, getting away from people for a while. So it'll be nice. nice. But hopefully, you know, whatever your Christmas is, whether it's watching movies or, you know, telling everybody fuck off, whatever that means. A little bit you know. of both. Yeah, sure. It's fair. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll go from there. Otherwise, uh, anybody else have anything else? No, no. Nope. All right. Ho, 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 and close the gates. (laughs)